Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet. I'm sitting here with Simon File. We're gonna have a chat about my week in Davos and life in general, things that are looking up, things are looking down, the way we find our way with it. Hi, and welcome, Simon. Hey, man, thanks for having me again. So, yeah, a blast. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm dying to hear about Davos because I, I watched uh, Greta's, one of Greta's talks on a panel and brought up a ton of energy for me. I got really excited. So and you were there in person. So I'd love to hear, just give me a rundown. What was your experience like? Cool. Yeah. Let me, let me um, jump in from an outside point of view. What you got to understand about Davos is that it's multiple events in one big week. Okay. So there's the main event, which is where uh, you probably saw Greta speak. Um, there's all the politicians, etc. They're, they're all at the main event. Okay. That's an invite only world economic forum event. There's a second tier, which is invite only as well, but it's, it's a little easier to get an invitation, um, which is at all the hotels in the city of Davos. And then there's a third tier, which is basically, um, it's not really like free for anyone to come, but in a way, if, you want, if you're listening and you want to find your way to Davos in some year, you can also come to that part, which is the whole promenade, the entire town of Davos. You can picture like a little Swiss um, Alpine town every storefront in, on that main road is rented out to either the embassy of Ukraine or Russia or India or wow. things like Salesforce or Global Citizen magazine. And they all have different lounges and venues in which they host their guests, their panels, etc. So during that week, there is basically a nonstop plethora of events from the main event to the hotel stages to the little stages. And truth be told, some of the little stages are actually the most exciting because that's where a lot of the underground stuff happens, stuff that is kind of at the forefront of consciousness that hasn't quite made it into the main stage. I love it. Yeah, like so you're, there's a bunch of intimate spaces where people are connecting and doing the work that they're talking about on the, on the larger scale or? Yeah, pretty much. I think every small stage is like, um, also like a meeting point, right? So every brand or embassy country or initiative um, can, well, if they're uh, invited by the WEF to do so, they're able to create a venue in, in which they invite their best clients, their prospective clients, but also their stakeholders and shareholders to continue and engage into a dialogue. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an expensive week all, all over, but during that week, you, you get fed coffees and little snacks in every place. And so you, you basically realize within the first day or two, where are the spaces that um, you gravitate to where maybe you get something to share, you have a panel that you love. And so for me, some of the highlights were, um, I was part of a green debate um, at Hotel Seehof, which was um, on day four or something. Um, lots of cool people that uh, some of them will show up on this podcast as well. They were basically discussing the state of the world from a green uh, perspective, understanding not just climate change, but the ways to revert it through conscious investing. Um, that was really intense, really problem focused to be honest uh not necessarily my favorite angle to look at the world but very problem focused and then how we can bring solutions to those problems um, another great event that i i just told you before we hit record was the 2030 party i um i got to co-host with um one of my friends and also a former interviewer here on green planet blue planet lucian tarnowski who is a young global leader in the world economic forum and he and his initiative and organization, Sivana, hosted a 2030 party. And the way you can imagine that is we were literally, I got into meditation, I got into breath work, um, you know, what I love doing. And um, 
we had a cacao ceremony. I actually had to find like the cacao from Nicaragua, 100% organic first, which was kind of hard because Swiss people love Swiss made chocolate. And so once we found that cacao, we hosted that little breath work and meditation. We teleported ourselves and our imagination and our inner screens to the year 2030, about 100 people, and imagined just for the evening that all the sustainable development goals, all the goals the United Nations has called for are accomplished and achieved. And so this might sound totally nuts to someone listening, but here's the fun fact. The idea wasn't made up by us. This actually was done by NASA in the 60s when John Kennedy said, we're gonna place a man on the moon. Everybody said, you're bonkers, we'll never achieve that. And the head of NASA at the time said, you know what, let's celebrate an imaginary uh, party where we meet to pretend we've already achieved it. And with that spirit, NASA actually created the group of people that then later on achieved it about eight years later. And so we, we took this idea from NASA and hosted a 2030 party, which was kind of the opposite of the problem focused uh, yeah. discussion. It was more like a, imagine the future, connect with the energy of how it would feel. And you know, after the meditation and the breath work, we had about an hour, an hour and a half of different people speaking from the perspective of 2030. People like Rick Doblin from um, MAPS organization. Um, another person was an astronaut who actually went to space already. He was on the ISS for six months and it blew my mind. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. What was the, like that, that really interests me because I love the, I love the power of our imagination, especially in scenarios like that, because it's so easy to get caught up in our limiting beliefs of of the past when we're imagining like what could we create because we have oh you know fossil fuels we have all these these reasons and excuses that we're not gonna um, accelerate or excel to the point that we really need to so i'm really interested in like if, if you don't mind sharing a couple of the shares that came up that were really um what are the highlights of some of the shares like the most interesting futures that were that were imagined yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think it's, it's a very valuable exercise as well. Like I, I'm totally with you on that. Getting stopped by these problems from the past or the scientific calculations from the past is in itself, it's, it's just not entirely how we manifest reality. So I, I understand and I'm totally for science proving the facts and then based on the facts, creating the next steps. However, I wouldn't want to have those facts stop us from actually creating powerful new futures. And so, because as we know, if we want to do something new, we have to stop doing something old and do something different, right? And, and it's new, and so by definition, it might be different and, and, and um, innovative. And so, yeah, let me start with Rick Doblin from MAPS, who are famously known for their psychedelic research and their, their research into how psychedelic medicines like psilocybin, mushrooms, and, and, and MDMA can help people. And he basically used that time and, and shared a timeline, an imaginary timeline that I, it sounded like he already had in his head. So he took the microphone and said, wow, do you remember that night in 2020, 10 years ago when we all met? And then he's like, what a ride we were on. In the year 2021, psilocybin became legal to research PTSD and other forms of trauma across the United States. And then so he kept going and named these without any like hiccup, he just named these dates and these, these imaginary milestones of us achieving a form of how we can use 
um, medicine to actually connect and heal trauma and, and kept going. And in the year 2026, um, I'm making this up now because I don't remember everything yeah. I said. We, uh, we, Europe allowed um, legal research for psilocybin as a medicine to um, heal people. And, and so it was just really fascinating how he was building energy. Who actually totally blew me away was, was Ron, who I'd have to double check his last name because I just met him as Ron, which is, you know, just the, the funny way how, of how people really connect uh, first name basis. And Ron was in space a few years ago. And he said, the fundamental shift that happened in humanity was that we stopped referring to our world as a globe. We stopped saying global business and global economics. And we started connecting with the planet as a planetary system. And the way he said that reminded me so much of this initial reason why I called this show Green Planet, Blue Planet, because when we connect with the world as a globe, we actually use a word that is associated with all the pathways of our mind from business to uh, obviously economics and geopolitical connections. And so we're associating with the world as this globe that, the, that mankind has created. But when once we, and he said this from a perspective of an astronaut who has actually experienced the overview effect, when we start seeing the world as a planet and a planetary system, we're actually simply through the language acknowledging that it's a planetary system within the cosmos and therefore an intelligent system that we are a part of. And so that really stuck with me. Wow. Love that. Yeah. First, just to jump in on the, um, the, what was the guy's name from maps? Sorry. Rick Doblin. Yeah. 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 No Rick Doblin. Yeah. That exercise, you know, I talk about Kyle Cease a lot, who, um, who's a comedian turned into a motivational speaker and he's doing personal right. development and he does this exercise that is, is just like this. That's why um, this really made me think of him is he'll basically say, imagine it's January 26th, 2021. Tell me the story of, of the last year and in, in terms of like all the things that happened, all the things that you're excited about. And you would start by saying, I remember um, I did this interview with Julian Guterly and then I remember um, finally buying that house. And then you just start letting your imagination tell the story. And the purpose of this is to get our limiting beliefs out of the way because the past, like our mind is attached to the facts of the past. So when we start thinking about what we want to create and work from here, our mind's going to find all the things that could get in the way of that. But if we go into the future and work backwards, we're actually allowing our imagination and our minds work for our imagination. So we can be super creative. So I, I love that he jumped into that and that you guys did that. I think it's really powerful. Um, I'm, I'm glad that this got actually, um, fun fact, there was an article written about this, this little event as the revolution in Davos, and it was published in the New York Times. Um, if I find the article, I, I'll, I'll, I'll plug it into the show notes under this, or the post under this video, because it's just a different way to connect into this bubble of, I mean, what Davos really is from a, an objective point of view is it's a geopolitical highlight for, for politics and economics. It's a very financial industry kind of vibe a lot of people go there to make really big deals and you can feel that there's a lot of um, hierarchy and 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 that kind of energy going on um, however i've been there about two years ago for the first time 
it is changing. It is changing in the sense that this more, um, yeah, like younger crowd that is that is looking to change the world, not based on resisting or or hating something old, but simply embracing new facts and realizing this global system has served us until now and it needs to change. No question if it's climate change or pollution or global inequality, whatever the reason is that you find for yourself, it needs to change into a world that works for everyone. And so another uh, great panel I went to um, was actually on my favorite topic, which is uh, the triple bottom line, people, planet, profit. And so that event itself very much speaks for where Davos is headed. It happened at Davos 2020, but it happened in a basement in one of the smallest venues. And so that's just like a representation of how, how much the public discussion in the global leadership circles is kind of ready for it, but not entirely yet ready for it. So re reality check here is that there's still a lot of work to do. There's still a lot of hierarchy to break and there's still um, just, just more time that will go into um, you know, I don't believe in us saving the planet, but, uh, but us creating a planet that works for everyone. I totally agree. I, I love that. Um, I, yeah, so I watched a couple of the, the panels mm -hmm. and the one that came to mind, which I wanted to bring up because you talk a lot about the people, um, the planet and profit. Profit. Thank you. And, um, they did a, they did a survey during the, during the panel and was like, who's, who needs to um, take responsibility the most government business or the individual. And um, it was government was, was voted for the most and then business and then the individual, which kind of blew me away because I, I, I assumed that the individual was going to be the highest vote. And, um, and to go back to our talk last time, um, business is actually making quite a big headway in the innovative technologies for the green space. And, and, and there are some um, business speakers on the panel and they were also like, we're actually ahead of government right now. Like, like it used to be that government was pulling us into this space and now we're, we've accelerated and it's government that's holding it back. And then they had some, some people speak about um, the individual perspective and they were like, yeah, we can make changes, but we really need the government to implement policies that force us to. I just found that perspective really interesting that we're, that we're still thinking that we need the government to make changes for us. Right. So it's interesting that you're bringing this up because they, those energetics are totally palpable in the, in, the, in the space, in the room during the week, right? There is, again, there are different camps of people. There, there are the the ones that expect government, they're the ones who are, who are demonstrating and with Extinction Rebellion, for example, kind of the, the Greta vibe, which I'm personally, I, I, I'm fascinated by all of it. And I, I want to look at most of it more from an observational perspective of what is actually serving us as people to move forward and what is um, maybe even slowing things down, which, you know, in one way, lots of politicians are slowing things down. And, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I feel like government uh, realistically is the slowest entity at this point. However, though, when government supports change, change happens really quickly. Mm -hmm. And so it's an interplay that is consistently needing all stakeholders to dialogue, to connect and, and to make steps forward. And, you know, an observation I had, which is um, a subjective opinion, I, I think is that a lot of uh, focus is on tech and business. 
but social business or simply the factor of, of social change is not entirely yet represented or embraced as much. And what I mean with social change is and what we talked about in, in, another time, or I talked about another time in, in, in one of my solo podcast episodes is peer to peer and the power of peer to peer. So with peer to peer, I mean person to person, right? Yeah. And the power that actually lies within people when we embrace our responsibility. And so really that element is, I wouldn't say it's completely missing at Davos, but because it is a geopolitical economic conference and it's the World Economic Forum, um, it's kind of the smallest part of the equation um, in Switzerland. And so, yeah, that, I would hope and wish, that's my prayer, that that's, that's going to be represented more and more and more with, with businesses or initiatives that are actually bringing uh, people into the forefront. Because if we look at the world realistically through both climate change and world economics, we will have mass migrations over the next decades coming ahead, coming towards us. And so these mass migrations, um, the easiest way to embrace and use that as a positive change is when we, when we create pathways and on-ramps for people to connect better with each other. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that that's going to create a really powerful wave. The more people take responsibility, individual responsibility, and, and that can make an impact and empower other people as well. Right. And, um, yeah, I, I guess my question on that for you is if you were to vote, who would you say out of those three categories would be the, would create the biggest amount of, of change? Mm. It is a really interesting question. I would probably ultimately say business because of, a very similar notion that I just mentioned. So when governments embrace and subsidize change, it just happens, but they're moving so slow. When people um, change and de desire and demand change, which I, I, I'm a, a big fan of, but I, I, I think from a perspective of what's globally happening, it's incredibly important. And often it is against what old rules of government or, or, or legislation or um, leading elites are doing. And so I'm personally not a big fan of the, the against energy. I totally believe we need activism to awaken people. And yet I do believe that we require um, innovation and basically realize what is not working and based on that pivot towards what is a a pathway into a higher state of connectivity of, of, of change, et cetera. And so business really, I believe, is in many forms um, a way to do so. That's why I believe that, I, not that I, I think money needs to stay on this planet forever, but for now, for the evolution that capitalism could take, and for example, Mark Benioff, CEO of Salesforce and, and the owner of Time Magazine um, said it out loud, is that capitalism is, is kind of dying because what it needs is this evolution where businesses can drive change that affects people and the planet in a positive way and makes profit. And so I think as we're embracing that equation, business is still the biggest threshold for change. Um, ultimately though, I mean, my hope would be that we can actually move into a real democracies more and more because you know, yeah. I wouldn't even say we live in, in true democracies in this, in this day. And right. Age. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you in terms of, in terms of the business conversation, I, it was interesting to listen to this panel because a lot of the focus was on business and the guys that were um, speaking from that space were also saying that, you know, it has a lot to do with demand and it has a lot to do with 
the policies that are enforced on these businesses. So it's like, um, if businesses and business in general can adopt the values that the planet needs, then we're going to be in a good place, but that's going to take more time than we think we have. Right. And so I think that as in a combination, if, if government can enforce specific regulations that are in line with the new values that we need, then business can really thrive in that, in that area. And we're already seeing it take off. Uh, I think more in the Western world, I could be wrong, but um, well, so, so this is curious what you're saying. I think ultimately, like it, what we really require in this world is an interplay of, of those three entities. And the biggest threat to all of this are like quote unquote bad actors, which could be big companies. Like I'm going to say like Facebook, I'm probably going to publish this video, but bad actors in the sense that they're, they have so much of an own agenda that they're sometimes neglecting the truth of what people need. Right. Um, or governments that are sometimes neglecting what people actually need just to continue to stay in power. I think that's what's sometimes slowing down the change, but ultimately we need all three entities, government, economics, sure. people to, to interact. The cool thing about emerging markets or like quote unquote, the developing world um, is that sometimes in those places, because of more need or a more urgent need for um, a next step or an evolutionary step, there is a bigger likelihood that they embrace change, right? Like I'm in Germany right now, I'm spending this weekend after Davos with my family before I fly out tomorrow again. And if I look around, like this world I grew up in in Germany is, you know, it's very privileged. So for that kind of people to embrace change is, is very unlikely because they're already living in like warm and- Why, why would you want to change? Exactly. There's no need. And, There's and, no threat, I guess. The threat is a, is the the link. Exactly. And so so this is why sometimes emerging markets are actually the most interesting because there is the desire to embrace the change is already given. And what we need to find are tools that can connect us with a higher um yeah, rate of exchange or or uh, just more humanity of like really making sure that everyone gets, gets seen, fed and, and heard, you know? Yeah. I love that. Speaking, jumping back into like you said, technology and innovation is something that we really need to, we really need to um, advance in like green technologies, um, better, you know, innovation to cleaning up the mess and regenerative enterprise, regenerative business. Mm -hmm. And um, that was brought up on this panel too, that I was watching. It was really interesting to see this, woman from Chad. Um, you may have seen this article. She says the, basically she says it's bullshit that we need to wait for better technologies to come out because the best technology in the world is my grandmother. She knows by watching the trees when, what the weather's going to be. She knows where the water is like the elders and the uh, indigenous peoples of this planet are the best technology out there because they're connected. And that was like, boom, like all we need to do is connect. And it's accessible to us. You see, that was my experience this year, which was different from when I was when I was in Davos the first time. So two years ago, there was none of this present in the people interaction. Maybe someone would bring that in from their personal life, but this year actually, um, and and regards to Blockbase uh, Space, Blockbase is an initiative that hosted a space. 
they brought the sacred into Davos in the sense that there was a, an opening ceremony, a sound healing meditation vibrational space. So, you know, it sounds very West Coasty, but it was just really important to bring that sacred and that indigenous element into the space from multiple cultural perspectives, Asia, as well as the, the Americas, as well as Africa. And so, um, not that this was, again, I, I said in the beginning, that was like a three-tier event. It wasn't part of the, the first tier, the public main event, um, but it was, it was definitely part of the entire event in some segment. And so block base, that space that I spent quite a bit of time in and where we hosted this 2030 party as well, um, was that space where the sacred and the sacred ways of living were represented. And so just by witnessing this having an entry into a you know, global conference like Davos, I think we can already see times are really changing, you know? Yeah, I, I'd love to hear more about that workshop that you put on because I've been to some of your, you know, I've done breath work with you and, and I, I, I know the power of it and I've, I've seen you as a leader in that space. I'd love to hear your, your perspective of, of what that was like to host 100 plus people in a breath work ceremony and That's a cacao great question, ceremony. Man. I mean, you can see it. I'm just starting to smile because yeah. listening, I'm starting to smile right now is because it felt so amazing actually to bring that part of my skill set and my, my gifts into a space like Switzerland and Davos and the World Economic Forum. Um, truth be told, though, when I was in, in Geneva a few years ago uh, at the headquarters of the World Economic Forum, where because I'm a global shaper, so I'm part of that community, I actually offered a breathwork at the headquarters of the World Economic Forum as well three years ago. And so it somehow seems to continue to connect for me that this is something I have to offer and can gift into those spaces is to simply confidently share this and trust and know that even though some people might be like, huh, why are we meditating and breathing now? It is actually needed because it changes the vibration. It changes the electromagnetic charge in people and it connects everyone if they're at least closing their eyes and, and, and giving their best to kind of um, partake. Um, it, it, it connects them to something deeper inside than um, just the ego desire. And you know, this is, this is very present in a place like Davos, I'm not gonna lie. Like it still feels like some spaces, all you see is people like shooting uh, the projections of what they, who they think they are into the space. And, and a lot of people don't anymore. A lot of people are truly committed to you know, changing the state of the world in a, in, in a way that is regeneratively uh, thoughtful. And, and so offering a breathwork made me feel uh, happy, proud, and also like, like, yeah, humbly audacious, you know, it's like, it, it humbled me down to realize, oh, wow, I'm, this is, this is all I can really offer here this year is, is let's close our eyes, meditate and breathe. But also it, it, it gave me this audacious boost of knowing the true gifts we all carry are what matters. And so let's bring them out and bring them into the Right. Wow. And I mean, just to hear you say that, that that's, that's all you could offer this year. Sounds like you're offering exactly what we need based on what that, that lady was speaking about, which is breathwork is the, is a technology that we need to be connecting to because it's an ancient technology that we all have access to. You know, that's, those are the technologies and the innovation that we need to connect to, to save this planet and to really thrive as a species. So, yeah, I think that we put too much emphasis and power and, and validity on, on the panels that are speaking and, 
and I love that you uh, that you offered something that's in the physical body that everybody can share because you know not everybody's gone can be in, go to university or has degrees in business and but we all have the ability to breathe and connect to our source so totally and and you know what what you're saying inspires me me to say like I think this is my biggest desire around it an event like Davos is to to understand it is important that like like quotation marks here world leaders are meeting and dialogues are happening it is important and also let's stop being intimidated by that and, and understand that if we're all connecting to breath to consciousness and acting from that place each and every one of our actions are important and so you know this is i think why a lot of people would vote which would which is what you said earlier on like governments are are most important is because people are consistently still giving their power away to the leader because they're expecting the leader to do a good thing um, but what we're seeing in the world since thousands of years is that when we wait for the leader it either never happens or happens very slowly and so people embracing their own power coming back to breath coming back to the teachings is yeah, it's the alpha and the omega, man. It's it's like where it all starts and, and ends. Hmm. That's great. Yeah, I think uh, let's wrap it up with one more. And my question on that note would be, if it is, if there's one thing that you could suggest people to do that would empower them, what would it be? It's a really good question. <laughs> you're on the hot seat. You're on the hot seat with that. Well, in one in one sentence is is connect to your breath every day, mm. right? I mean that's that's what I don't just believe in. It's not something I I think is good. I know is good. I teach this for that reason. I, I I shared this with all my clients for that reason because when you connect to breath, either through meditation or actual breath work, if it's holotropic or a pranayama yoga style breath work when you connect to breath every day, you're allowing to connect with your reality through your body. And so this is something that, that will empower you actually, right? Is when you're not just thinking about reality, but you're, you're connecting your head, your heart and your hand. So you're thinking, you're visioning, you're feeling, you're intuiting and you're doing. And so that's truly, I think the, the, the real answer there. I love that. I, I totally resonate with what you're saying. I think that I love how you brought the hand into it because we don't hear that too often, but that is the key is the action. What, as we connect to our mission, to our purpose, to our source, to our intuition, like it doesn't really serve us unless we're acting and embodying that through our actions. So I love how you brought that in and I think it's great advice. Um, thanks for sharing about Davos, man. I, I would love to check it out and and look come with to... me next year it's it's definitely yeah. on schedule yeah <laughs> all right all right cool thank you simon yeah, man. and that's that another episode of green planet blue planet podcast i hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights knowledge and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life into your relationships or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it. Very much so. And we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line. Where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. 
We're raising consciousness together and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of insight, evolution and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, Make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, th guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.